Yeah, I had been visualizing all the moments in my head and me scoring all that, and that's kind of just what I do. This, this is a product of just relentless pursuit at being the best you can be. Without a doubt, like, if they can stop me, they're not going to stop soaring. So, you can't focus on just one of us. State champs! Let's go, baby! Let's go, baby! Let's go, baby! Let's go! It's a dream come true. You know, we've uh, we set out to do this, and uh, like I said, not many people thought we could ever win a state championship in a three high school town. People thought I was crazy to take the coaching job at Maloney, leaving Southerton. I proved them all wrong because hard work beats anything, and I proved that out here. Uh, seeing this fog as we were driving up here got me got me some flashbacks definitely but I mean it's in the past and we put it behind us I think all facets of the game came to play our special teams were good today our, our offense was good the defense it, it, it was an all-out effort coaches players it was awesome I guess there's no doubt who's the number one team in the state, is it? I hope not. I mean, if there is any, we'll play again. I think everyone would want to play, so I hope there's no, no debate. Everybody and welcome once again to the final meat grinder of the high school football season 2021 edition. I am your host, John Patrick Bowley, and with me as always is Pete Bagaga and Game Time CD columnist Jeff Jacobs. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Good. I'm good. We're tired. <laughs> we're yeah, well, now I'm embarrassed that I am tired with that intro, man. You were fired up. Yeah. I'm, getting, I'm into it now. I'm into it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, at the top of the show, you hear a little montage from the four state championships. I thought they were pretty good games. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, 2019, two years ago with, you know, Newtown and, and, and St. Joseph. But we have our four state champions. You know, some of it wasn't, you know, too surprising. Uh, you know, Maloney wins. Darianne wins big. Uh, Killingly wins. And then the, I, got, I think the biggest one of the, of the whole week, sorry, the weekend, the, the whole weekend was Cromwell Portland. Number one, beating up on Antonio from the week before, and then coming in and and just manhandling uh, Bloomfield Teddy ball game. Ted Williams just uh, crushing it in football. One of the great all-time performances I've seen. You heard a little bit from him and Randall Bennett. You know, a great job to finish 13 and 0. Uh, you know, the top 10 poll came out. We just had that came out. And I'm gonna run it down for you quick, and we're just gonna talk about what's what's happening, where we what happened this weekend and where we're going for the rest of the year with these guys. And then uh, we'll put a bow on this uh, 2021 season. One that we didn't think we were going to get through, but somehow miraculously uh, things cleared up. And uh, here we are, we're, we're two weeks out of Christmas or not even. And, uh, and everything is all a okay. So uh, here's the top 10. Let's uh, let's start off from the bottom coming in at number 10 is, is Greenwich. The team, nobody can get rid of seven and four class double L quarterfinalists had, Fairfield prep on the ropes, as we discussed, uh, an unfortunate uh, play, knocked their quarterback out, Wilson, and and prep was able to get on, go to the finals and beat beat them, go on to the, the finals. That's number 10. Number nine, Cromwell Portland, we just talked about it, Teddy ball game, three touchdowns, 
pick six, one a fumble recovery in the end zone, and uh, and it just just imposes just will on Bloomfield. They finished 13 0, the only team to win 13 games this season. Uh, that's number nine, number eight, Shelton. Uh, they defeated Hall in the quarterfinals, and then they lost to Fairfield Prep 24-3 in the semifinals. Number seven is your Class M champion, Killingly, coming in at 12-0, the only other undefeated team. Uh, Jack Sharp, Soren Reeves, those guys doing what they've been doing all season long and taking care of Rockville in a close game, but one that uh, Killingly was able to, to get over, to, to pull away from. And uh, they actually got a first-place vote. We'll talk about in the sec- that in a second. But number seven is Killingly. Number eight, St. Joseph, kind of a fall from grace for the Hogs who, you know, struggled down the stretch. They beat Trouble, but they kind of struggled in the playoffs a little bit. Needed a, a couple block kicks to put hand away. Uh, they were number one, number two, and then number three, and then following number six after getting upset by uh, Elijah Cromartie and Windsor. Speaking of which, they are number five, Windsor, the class L runners up to Maloney, hung in there, but too many mistakes, and Maloney just kind of ran him over in that second half or, or throughout the game. Uh, number four, New Cannon, great defensive effort. You know, the only team to beat New Cannon this year, and uh, they were number uh, they were number one, dropped down to number four after losing to New Cannon in the semifinals. Number three, Fairfield Prep, your class double L runner-up. Uh, you know, unfortunate with the Jesuits, they ruse, losing Ryan O'Connell. Everyone managed to keep that a secret. Losing, losing Ryan O'Connell, their great linebacker, to a uh, to a knee injury, and I, I don't know how much that made a difference, but uh, you know they sorely missed him. And maybe keeping that one a little bit closer in the uh, championship against Darianne, uh, and then number two, the Class L champions, Maloney, Kevin Frederick's team, you know, winning their first state championship, uh, Boganski, and and those guys just just ran them over, ran over wins with 35-21 in the Class L final. Congratulations to them. Lost their first game to Southington and ripped through it the rest of the way. Uh, and then finally, Darian, your number one team, not consensus, only one voter out of the 22 voted against Darian and actually for Killingly, which is surprising to me. But that's it. Darian, for the fourth time in six years, your number one team back where we started from. The only difference is really is Maloney uh, kind of squeaking in there and St. Joseph's dropping pretty much. But, you know, a season, guys, that was dominated by the FCAC. Uh, and we ended up with, you know, some, some other surprises in there. I think the, the CCC kind of came back with a little bit of vengeance here after we kind of killed them all season, huh? I must have missed the boat, or maybe I, I, I am the great soothsayer that I proved to be in, uh, during the year. Uh, these three people on this call finished uh, one and tied for second uh, in the picks in the oh, playoffs. Yeah. So when it really mattered – this was the source authority that you're looking at, and and Sean Bowley uh, won the playoffs. Uh, the great, the great. See, he was too modest to point that out. But I am not too modest to point out that I finished also finished third overall after a slow start, and and I'm awarding myself Rookie of the Year. So <laughs> I wanted I wanted to get that out of the way right away. Uh, you know, I had Maloney fourth. I'll really? start out there. I had New Canaan two. They uh, beat Darianne, and I think they're a heck of a team, and I had prepped three, and I guess I, I'm stunned that Greenwich finished 10th. I know the seven and four, but they had they had prep beat when when the uh, when the uh, uh, quarterback got hurt, so I picked them sixth. Oh, and so I guess, uh, you know, killingly number one. Now, look, I'm buds with Chad Neal. 
I live one town over from Killingly. I, 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 I'm buds with a lot of people over there. But the thought of them being number one is is absurd. Yeah. They're not as this team's not as good as the 2017 team. No. They're a heck of a team, and and for a Class M team to finish seventh is where and where I voted them. That's a that is a great accomplishment in football. It's a little it was, different. I think it might have been a protest vote, Jeff. I don't know. I don't know who you know. I don't know what the motivation was there, but like the one guy, kind of an outlier. I don't, you know. And if it, if I was going to vote for one of these teams here, number I mean, I'm not to get too big because they're an overwhelming favorite here, guys. But like you know, I, <laughs> there's always one, I guess. You know, a couple of years, a few years ago, with Killing Lee one, we had Jimmy Zanner. Uh, they he voted Killing Lee number one that time, and he explained why, and he was up there for the Norwich Bolton. But this time, you know, I mean, Killing Lee twelve, they're not even the the I, I don't, they're probably not even the best undefeated team. I thought Crumble Portland was great, thirteen and zero. But whatever, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was a protest vote. Well, I'll tell you this: I voted Cromwell Portland fourteen and Killing Lee fifteen. So. That's where my views are. I don't. Big school look, vote. I don't. It's not a big school. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's a big school vote. But here, here's the thing. And I, I hate this in, in all the polls and stuff. Just because you win a state championship, you should be rewarded for that. And you are with the plaque and a medal and the celebration and everything that goes with it. But this is still a poll of the best teams in the state, not the teams that won championships. Right. And I put a lot of pride in my vote. I take my vote very seriously. And. You know, I look and I look at teams like Wilton and Norwalk and Trumbull and Massac and Hand and Shelton and Greenwich and St. Joe's and New Canaan, Windsor Prep, teams that didn't win state championships, who would win S and M. And you know what I mean? Like, so that is I take that into account and I, and I 100 percent factor that into my vote. And it's not a knock on Cromwell Portland. It's not a knock on Killingly. But against those other teams, I think those teams are better. And, uh, you know, just side note, I voted Maloney, too. I was really impressed with their run to the playoffs, uh, through the playoffs, obviously 11 straight wins uh, to round out uh, 12 straight wins to round out the season. After losing their opener, they were a completely different team than they were when they played Southington uh, week one, light night and day, uh, different team. Um, so, you know, for them to get my two, I, you know, I, we talked about it on the last time on the show. Like, we didn't know who we were going to vote number two. And it really depended on how the championships played out. And, I mean, Darianne is hands down the number one team in this state, and I, I don't even think it's close. I thought Jeff brought up a good point about uh, New Canaan. You know, they were the only team to beat Darianne this year. Uh, so I think they have a case. I voted uh, Maloney number two. I think they have a really good case. I mean, they, it, it wasn't going to happen for them. But if I was going to see some a few votes swing the other way, the coaches poll also came out. There was one vote for Maloney. I thought if there was going to be the other way, I thought Maloney really, I mean, Maloney played a bunch of double L teams in their own division. Granted, I mean, it wasn't the greatest, uh, you know, Hall wasn't, you know, <laughs> Shelton took care of them pretty handily, but uh, I thought Maloney had the the best case. They went in there, they beat, they beat up Windsor, which beat St. Joseph, you know, and I'm, a, I'm of that Highlander mentality where if you, you, you beat one team, you take all the powers from the other team in the playoffs. But, you know, I think Maloney had a shot after that. After that, I mean, New Canada, you, I could quibble with that. That's not a bad pick, Jeff. But I figured you I'd know, give it to Maloney because of the state championship. You know what's interesting? I, I think the people that said that St. Joe's, they kind of couched it by saying St. Joe's this year wasn't the St. Joe's of 2019. No, they, they were, yeah, anyway, that was the easier way of, a way of easing in that. Maybe St. Joe's was a little overrated in retrospect. 
I'm not saying horribly overrated, but but like not quite as good as maybe at least I'll speak for myself as I thought they may be. And uh, you know, so when they finish like what they finish sixth or fifth in the in the balloting, I had them fifth. Uh, you know, it's like that's a little bit of a blow to them, but they they got beat. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was really hard to play St. Joe's. I'll be honest with you. It was very hard to play St. Joe's because you have to you look at their two losses and their losses are to Darianne mm-hmm. and to Windsor, who went to the L finals. And they also beat Windsor uh, right. earlier this year. They were so hard to place because if if you decided you couldn't put St. Joe's over Windsor, then where did you put them? And it became kind of a domino effect. And that was one of the harder teams to place in, in my ballot. But I'll be honest with you, I voted them sixth. And I didn't feel good about voting them sixth, but I didn't know where else to put them. If you look at it, their best win was, you know, their best win was Greenwich 24-20, maybe even Windsor early on. You know, that Windsor game probably could have got, I mean, obviously they were up 18 on them in the, in the semifinals. So, you know, maybe... I don't know quite what happened. They just kind of this one of those things where the Windsor got a little bit of momentum and that was it. And St. Joe was back on its heels. Uh, I don't, I mean, if you look at the rest of their rest, their body of work, it's still pretty good. I mean, the only one that really kind of sticks out is Darianne getting beat up 42, 14. Maybe that was a warning sign, but as far as their whole body of work goes, I think it was a pretty solid team. I mean, you can't put them ahead of Windsor. Um, I can't put them ahead of any of those other teams, uh, you know, Maloney's or the, you know, or not, not Maloney's, you know what I mean? But uh, but or fair for prep or anything like that. But, you know, I, I, I think uh, last year they were supposed to be great. And then they are here next year. They're supposed to be really good. So, yeah, they're know, not going anywhere. Like, they'll the be road. right back sure. in the mix next year. So any other surprises uh, from the top 10 here? You know, Shelton's still in there. I know Trumbull's going to be mad about that. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Shelton won a playoff game. I and mean, it's not a knock on Trumbull. Shelton got in and they won a playoff game. Yeah, fair enough. But overall, I thought it was a pretty good top 10. As far as the championship weekend, uh, I mean, let's start with you, Jeff. You know, you were at the Darien final, um, you know, looking around the state and some of the other results happen out there. Uh, what did you think uh, about the games th- this week? And, uh, you know, uh, what can you say well, about what we what we learned? Well, first of all, the, the romantic side of the whole thing was that there was fog at the Darien game. And, and the last time the fog descended on them, that, Unbelievable touchdown that Newtown scored was uh, happened, and as they the bus rolled into uh, into uh, McDougal Stadium at Trumbull Saturday afternoon, the uh, Mike Forget, the coach, and uh, and uh, David Ivanchek said they noticed the fog, and it was a uh, it was interesting. But Forget said he quickly told the guys. This, this is a different fog, different team, different season. <laughs> and uh, they came out and they played a complete game. It was what they showed us when you play a when they play a complete game, how good they were. And uh, it was pretty awesome. You know, I'm counting up uh, eight, nine, ten players on that team that are really good. Yeah. And that's a lot. And nobody can compare to that. And, uh, uh, you know, I've drooled all year over Ty Comiskey's uh, play, and there's nothing more I can add to that. But, you know, Drake and Minicus hooked up as usual. And the defense, man, they controlled the line of scrimmage. Uh, it, it was interesting. Our guys, uh, uh, Dave Stewart, he picked uh, 
David Avancic as, as a defensive player of the year. I had Cole Murphy as the player of the, uh, player the game. Play of the game. Uh, hey, look, you can pick David Avancic every game. He's the best defensive player in the state, and he's a he's a heck of a player. Right. Yeah, but the, Murphy and Barbara front, they got guys on the back. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the secondary. Uh, they're just a very complete defense when they play like they can. And uh, hey, they yeah, it was it was a shame Ryan O'Connell uh, did not play, but. They only, Darian only, excuse me, Fairfield Prep only had 50 yards like through three quarters. Right. <laughs> you know, it was like he, Ryan O'Connell wouldn't been throwing passes. Right. Uh, no, there was not a whole lot he could do. It, it, so it was, it was, it was, it was just definite, you know, Darian being the number one team. I, <laughs> I did not see any other games beyond like looking at highlights there, but I got to give a shout out to coach on WELI. I almost drove off the I-95 driving to trouble. I'm listening to him and Bogansky is going wild. Like at the game, they're broadcasting that game, the uh, Maloney game. And, we'll, and he went in again and all of a sudden he goes, Bogansky, do your Dansky. <laughs> <laughs> And coming from coach, it just cracked me up. I was thrown right off the highway and into the Wendy's there in in, in, uh, in East in East Haven. But uh, yeah, uh, I will say this, and, and I mentioned this uh, last last week or the week before. In the early going, the two most confident teams I uh, interviewed were Maloney and Cromwell Portland. And they had every right to be that confident. I think they knew how good they could be and were. And that proved killingly. That might have been a reflection of their coach. Coaches, I should say. Both coaches were very confident. Kevin Frederick, very confident. Uh, Randall Bennett, very confident. Um, But, uh, you know, I think Darianne was, like, quietly confident. They got burned before. They didn't want to say anything. But I think they were (laughs) quiet. You know, I think they got quiet. Like, just to get back on that, it was like – I, you know, talk about the fog. I think we were laying on, laying it on thick too. But it was hard to, you know, it was hard to, to, to not draw the parallels. Everybody who walked in that stadium, Darianne looked around and said, "What are you kidding me?" You know, I mean, they <laughs> said like, "This is ridiculous." And it was like before the game, and they're looking around. I was even sitting there with the sh- with the Trumbull guy, with the Trumbull kids. Uh, you know, Hunter Agosti, the quarterback, and there's some of their guys. And I'm like, "Hey, let's recreate the 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 Newtown game, and uh, you know, let's, let's do a video of it and put it on Instagram or something." We never got around to it. I thought they they, they were like, "Yeah, what end zone was it, and where was it, and the fog?" I thought it was just would been would have been funny, but. You know, it was just the perfect, you know, we're poetic, we're scribes. We like the, po- po- like you said, the, the, the poet of it, uh, the poetry of it, excuse me. And uh, it was just the perfect bookend. It was like, like they left off. It was like they were given a mulligan, Darianne, and you know, against a Fairfield Prep. Fairfield Prep's crowd, by the way, Darianne brought a good crowd, but Fairfield Prep's crowd was outstanding. I don't know how many people were there. It was a, it was pushing 5,000. I think it was packed, uh, Jeff. I don't know what you thought, but. Yeah, oh yeah, Fairfield Prep was it was huge. It was it was you know, I, like I said, I didn't count them, but it was a, it was probably the biggest I'd seen even a home game of, of like one side of, of a of a a uh, stands filled. So yeah, that, there was there was really good support. Yeah, there. it was, it was a really good. My, it was a really good crowd for them. 
leading to my argument that they should be at a one site, larger site. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But uh, but as far as like the game was concerned, it was pretty evident early that Darian was it was Darian's day. You know, uh, they threw a few passes. You know, they couldn't get the run game going early. That they tried that, then they tried through a few passes, defended easily. Um, and, uh, you know, Connor Smith just wasn't having a, a day. And then his targets were just getting covered. Darian's secondary might be one. It's one of the best secondary. It's up there with Maloney. I mean, Maloney's got more interceptions, maybe. I don't know. But uh, but that was that kind of. And then once once they weren't weren't able to pass to keep Darian honest, Darian was able to pin their ears back. The offense took a little while to get going because Dan, Fairfield Preps defense, even without O'Connell, is still pretty hard hitting good. They still had Tymaine Smith, who I thought Tymaine Smith, I had a good look at it. At the very end of the half, it was a frantic, you know, it was 14 nothing. Miles Drake played pretty well. He hits uh, Matt Minicus to get in field position with under a minute left. They get down, they have no timeouts. They get down to the goal line. Comiskey gets right to the edge of the of the if they of the plane out. They had replay. I think he would have cracked it. But Tymaine Smith did a great job keeping like kind of sweeping the ball just a little bit out off it. So he they would they would rule otherwise. They the referees looked at it, ruled he didn't get in. So it kept it a 14 point game. They tried to go in again. That didn't work out. But it was only a 14 game. And I asked Keith Elstern, the prep coach, if he thought, you know, it was. That was, you know, maybe give him a little momentum. He said, I, I was hoping so. But then they came out in that second half, man. And Miles Drake's touchdown, which, you know, Pete didn't put on his reel. <laughs> but he had that great he touchdown. Teddy Williams on there. <laughs> yeah, he did. No, you know, that was fine. I'm just busting Pete's ball. But, uh, but, uh, um, but that once they went down and scored and then Miles Drake kind of went weaved around everybody, you know, it was 21 nothing. And then you're like, well, here it comes. And there it was. It was the deluge. And by the time Fairfield Prep finally scored, uh, Mike Forger was getting a nice uh, ice bath. So, hey, uh, you know I, what? Uh, the one thing about Darian, too, was that I think it made him even better. The emergence of Jeremiah Stafford in, in the, yeah. at the end of the season. So they could, teams couldn't really, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, hone in on 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 Comiskey, so that 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 added as that emerged, it became more and more a uh, a, a varied running attack, which made him all the more dangerous. So uh, I don't know. You put as as David Avancic said, he was all for the guys, and they were all for playing anybody else that uh, uh, wanted to play uh, play them this week after it was all over. I don't I think Maloney. I don't think Maloney is especially killingly wants any part of. Yeah, uh, I know Cromwell Portland actually said on Twitter this morning that they were all fired up. They were ready to, you know, they were ready to play. So. Uh, but you know, let's move. Let's move along. I mean, Fairfield. I'm just saying quickly. Double L versus S, L versus M champions the week after. That's all. That's all. It's simple. I mean, we'll just play on Christmas. Oh God, Pete. We're, well, we're gonna have six champions next year. What are you gonna do with that? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. This is the last great year. Yeah, I'm agree. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that. Pete, you were up in class L. You know, Maloney. Obviously, they put on a case, you know showcase there. Kevin Frederick came in saying that they they probably should have had a shot at number one, and even came out saying that they should have a shot at number one. They didn't get nearly as many votes as I thought, and far in fact, as in our case, didn't get any votes. Um, but uh, I thought there were. It was an impressive kind of coronation for a team that had been very good. Semantic, he mentioned. And, and a lot of the coaches, uh, Samazic, and all the coaches from the past who never quite got there. And uh, for him, kind of, he kind of honored everybody in Maloney. And, you know, they were the you mecca know, of, uh, of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of Meriden uh, on uh, You know, it, 
you know, he mentioned, you know, a three town, a three school town uh, winning a championships, obviously not hard, uh, not easy to do. But, you know, I look back at, you know, when they first made the playoffs under Kevin in 2017, they lost in the quarterfinals to Windsor. 18, they make the finals, lose to hand. 19, make the semis, lose to hand. Um, you know, it was really a, it was really a progression. It was really a, uh, you know, this wasn't one great team. It was a progression under Kevin. It was a program. It was building. And, uh, you know, I think that was, it's very exciting when you have one team kind of just kind of come out of nowhere and win the title. And you're like, oh my God, like this was so exciting. But when you see a team progress year after year and build a program to get to that point and then to finally win it, you know, this was the same thing with Killingly in 2017. Chad had been there. The team had been there. They had gotten so close and yet they hadn't won. Same with Newtown two years ago, um, getting to the playoffs, losing. Right. You know, that's what it was for me. Looking back was all of those guys who played before who were so close and didn't get it. And then for them to win it, um, I, it was it was cool. It was exciting. Um, crazy post game. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know what who was the security at new Britain, but <laughs> everyone was on the field. Everyone. Yeah. What a nightmare that celebration was in terms of like trying to get photos, trying to do video, trying to give out the plaque. It was chaos, but it was, it was a lot of pent up, never winning a championship for all being celebrated at that one exact moment. You know, Maloney's first team, I think was 1959. Right. So you have like 60 years, 70 years of just pent up, no championship, just exploding on the field right after that game. It was, it was chaos. You're, you're absolutely right, Pete, uh, about the uh, job Kevin Frederick did, has done. You know, to weave your – I know it's going to change now, but to weave your way through the hand, uh, Windsor, St. Joseph, Mays, and do it over a succession of years and, you know, a class salad. So he, that's, he's, he gets Master Builder Award of the Year. Yeah. A couple a couple of weeks ago, I, I gave some awards out. I failed to, to, to hand that one out. Master Builder uh uh he gets that uh and i but i also meant like to mention uh two weeks in a row i, I almost got overrun by the darien student section at new canaan and then they held up they held off at the end of the game the other day but then they allowed them on at like five or ten minutes later and they came charging out and i was interviewing i think christian allegro and uh i i got spun around like a like a top. So hats off to the blue wave cheering sector for almost ending my career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I'll tell you this, the stands at new Britain, obviously they're a lot bigger than at McDougal. So you can't really quantify how many people were actually there. And I'm really bad at math. Um, but I mean, it looked like really good crowd for the L game. A lot of Windsor, a lot of Maloney uh, secretary of education was there. Oh yeah. Uh, that Cardona. was cool. Uh, Miguel Cardona was there. That's um, the, the country, not yet. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm sorry. Uh, Secretary of Education for the United States of America. Um, Secret <laughs> Service was there. Wow. I mean, I'm I'm literally wow. on the sideline and I turn around and, you know, I I've had interviewed uh, him before when I was at the Record Journal and he was, you know, just a regular guy in Meriden. And uh and I look over at Tim Dryerson with these two guys. I'm like, who are those guys? And I, I go to the other side as I'm like doing my job. And I turn around like they both got ear pierce, uh, ear, ear pieces in. 
And I was like, oh, <laughs> this might be the most secure game in the whole country. <laughs> that Secret Service was there to protect you for some of those picks you made this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh Boganski ran for 244 yards and 47 carries and four touchdowns, Pete. I mean, uh, you know, they just went right to him. And, you know, I, I know Elijah Cromartie kind of got him back in here and there. But, uh, you know, they, they yeah. caused turnovers and Boganski had a game. Huh, they got they got the lead. And Kevin, you know, the Maloney offense and what Kevin likes to do is when they have the lead, he's just going to keep feeding him the rock. He did it against Hall. He did it against Berlin. He did it against Simsbury. He knows he's not going to fumble. He knows he's not going to, you know, he's going to fall forward. And every single time, even if he got bottled up, he'd fall forward two yards, three yards, four yards. And he'd break it for like 11. And they just moved the chains and kept the ball out of Windsor's hand, forcing Windsor when they had the ball to try and make the big play. And when they tried to make the big play, the ball Hawks were there. Shelton had a pick. Again, uh, Studley had a pick. And Karan Wiggins had two. One icing the game when it was a one-score game. Um, you know, backs against the end zone. Cromartie throws an interception. That was it. The game, Maloney was able to sit on it. And that was it. I mean, the what, ball what Hawks a, showed what up. A postseason showed for, up. Who was it? Shelton? Rashawn Shelton, six oh interceptions, goodness. two taken back for pick sixes, finished with 10 uh, for the season. And his interception was probably the biggest one of the game. Windsor was up 7 nothing. They're kind of driving. They go for a deep pass. It gets tipped around. Shelton picks it off. Six plays later, Maloney's in the end zone, and all of a sudden it's a tie game. Yeah. Interesting. In here in the game, and then seeing your replays, Pete, I'm always amazed how like non-design non-designed situations end up in like scores or big plays. And that Angel RC run was which wasn't designed, a high snap suddenly just uh, you know ended up as a as a really big impressive touchdown uh for uh for Maloney. And uh and the other thing was I thought about was the two teams you didn't want to fall behind against were Darian and Maloney. You know, Maloney ball hawk if you, if, if, and uh, and Darian would just you know get uh, sacks and and they they ball, can ball hawk too. But uh, those are the two two teams you didn't want to fall behind more than seven points against. Yeah. Moving on, just quickly to get to Class M. You know, Soren Reef, Pete. You know, we talked a lot about Jack Sharp for the better part of two years, and uh, Soren Reef kind of kind of a coming out party for him. I mean, Jack Sharp had his scaries and his. But Soren Reef really put that game away in the second half of that. Soren Reef, all-time kid, sophomore. I mean, unbelievable game, 183 yards. But his quote after the game, uh, I think Mike Fornabio asked him just something about, like, you know, getting the ball late and this and this. And he said something like, he called my number and I ran hard. And that, I think, just needs to be, like, the poster of Killingly. Like, I ran hard. Like, it was just so right to the point, like nothing poetic, nothing glowing about what happened. He's just like, yeah, they gave me the ball and I put my head down and I just try to run through people. Same and, of the game. Yeah. And, you know, he unbelievable game. Jack Sharp had a great game. Um, you know, they talk about each other. They love each other. And there's if you watch the video um, when they got the plaque and they're posing and like, Sean Reef like puts his arm around, you know, Jack Sharp's head and they like touched heads. And 
it was a it was a nice moment. I mean, they truly do care about each other and love to see each other succeed. And you know, Jack Sharp had 100 yards too, so it's not like he had a bad yeah. game. But it was Soren Reef who really, you know, kind of put it to bed because you know Rockville played really really well in that game, and they were you know they were winning at one point. Um, they had chances to score late in the half and didn't like they were right in the game. Rockville was not outclassed in this game. Uh, it was a very, very good high school football game. And, you know, it just Rockville needed the pass to get back into it. They completed some, but they didn't complete the ones that they, that they needed. And, you know, killingly, when you give killingly the ball back, they're going to eat clock. And that's exactly what they did and can't make mistakes. You know, one big mistake by Rockville turned to a pick six. Hats off to uh, Sean for picking Killingly. Where it, now I'm gonna have to live down out here that I did pick Rockville along with with Pete. But that that previous semifinal seven six score with uh, Brantford scared me. That was really the the number one reason. I thought Rockville was on too much of a roll. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, the two running backs, they're Red Barn boys. That yes, from, they the, are. from the Caffrey lift. Thing. It was funny when I went out. I was sitting with uh, Chad Neal and Chad Caffrey, who is the assistant coach and also the who owns the Red Barn out uh, at his home. And they were just running through the ninth graders and eighth graders that were coming up as potential <laughs> running backs. So the bad news for the rest of the state that's going to whatever division Killings in, they they've got some more young guys on the assembly line for for their RPO run people over. Uh, I don't think the conveyor belt is about to stop after the season. Well, yeah, they got Soren yeah. Reef. We know that much. He's, he's good for another two years at least. Yeah, that's right. You know, and then they, you know, look, that's a great job by Chad Neal. You know, talk about teams that are on the rise. Pete, you mentioned it about Maloney, but, you know, they, I guess Killing has kind of been the blueprint for the last, you know, half decade or so. Uh, you know, they they remember they they started off kind of like coming out of nowhere in 15, 16, got to the semis. And then next thing you know, they were winning championship with, Lo- you know, with Lockwood and all those guys. And then they came back and they got the final game. That's three finals and two championships in what? Uh, four, four years. years. Uh, that's a great job by, you know, the qu- not so quiet corner. Uh, as they would say, so. not with that damn cannon blowing off every touchdown. They <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not anymore. Your footage there was a little, uh, you know. Yeah, we, I had to give a shout out to to our boy Ben, oh. the uh, the Killingly baseball coach. He was on cannon duty uh, during the championship. But you know, talk about those programs. Rock, Rockville's kind of at that point, right? They went to the quarterfinals, lost. Won the quarterfinals, lost in the semis. Won the semis, lost in the championship. And they got guys back. I mean, Malachi uh, Malachi Maps back. Uh, Amir Knighton's only a freshman. Um, they have guys, they're going to be back. And, uh, you know, I think Eric Knickerbocker is, you know, going to let them remember this, you know, he's a big history guy, history teacher loves teach history. And now this is part of, it. this is part of the Rockville football history. And, you know, how is the team going to recover from this, you know, or use that going forward? You know, Jack Sharp said after 2019, that sucked. They hated losing that last game and they used it for motivation for two years to get yeah. back. And you could bet Rockville will be doing somewhat of the same next year. It's nice about Bill Romanowski showing up for uh, for Rockville. Yeah. Dude, dude, he looks the same. I mean, I don't know if he could still play in the NFL. He looks big enough. But I'm telling you, my first, you know, knowledge of Bill Romanowski was when he was on the Denver Broncos. And he scared me when I was seven. <laughs> and I made sure I stayed far away from him while on the field. 
because he still scares me as, there are two a, as people, an adult. There are two people in the world that scare me. The West Virginia mascot with that musket who blows it off in front of you on press row and Bill Romanowski. Yeah. Uh, I was driving home, Pete, uh, and, I, and, and this thought crossed my mind. I was I was worried about how the goat handled the defeat. Oh, Ram James the Ram. Yeah, excuse me, the Ram. Um, he he was graceful. He was graceful in defeat. Graceful in defeat. Good. He was graceful Good. in defeat. Yes, beautiful, beautiful carrot, creature. He'd be fine. Yeah, he he was great. I don't know if Ramsey carrots, but I, dude, I want to talk about celeb like so New Britain was celebrity hotspot. Uh, yeah. We talked about Miguel Car- Cardona, Bill Romanowski, James the Ram. I mean, what an unbelievable day at New Britain. Sounded like it. Sounded like a really good game. Because speaking of unbelievable, the first game of the whole thing, uh, Cromwell Portland. I was I guess out of this group, I was the only one there. And then just let me just tell you, I mean, the jokes were flying with Teddy Ball game. I've been calling him Teddy Ball game all season. I didn't even know. I'm sure I was like, I was sure his parents were Red Sox fan number one. They are. Uh, number two, I was sure he's heard Teddy Ballgame before. He had. Um, you know, I mean, he's a Red Sox fan as well. Uh, so those jokes are flying around. The other joke, I got it wrong uh, in retrospect, but there was a point where it looked like they threw a pass because uh, Bloomfield had a, a kid named Jose Feliciano on the team. So we had Ted, Ted Williams and Jose Feliciano on the team. So I thought that was funny. But let me just, Teddy Ballgame, man. I, I mean, there was nothing he couldn't do in, in that game. I mentioned it before. Uh, you know, it was the first drive, Cromwell drive. They go right down the field. Um, Cole Brisson throws a pass over. I, I, it might have been Hare or it was, was somebody, but fumble the ball kind of at the goal line. And they're also out of nowhere. Ted Williams jumped on it. And it was like that for the rest of the game. Every time something happened in that game, number eight was there, uh, you know, making his influence. There was a fumble on the ground. He was there. Need a fourth down. He was there. There was a drive. They didn't score on the drive late in the half. To, uh, to go up, uh, but uh, Ted Williams converted two fourth downs, or maybe it's three. Uh, one of them was like, you know, fourth and 14, and they went for it. You know, I wonder what, what the heck. I think Randall Bent was so confident in his guys that they just said, keep pounding, keep pounding away, and, uh, and, and we'll make it happen. And, and Ted Williams answered the call every single time. Um, then he had the, the, the great touchdown previously in the first half. He had the great touchdown weaving through the Bloomfield defense. And then the, the, the one that really just, you know, Bloomfield gets back in it. It's only 14 to six. And then, uh, you know, and then Ted, Ted beginning of the fourth quarter, fourth down. This is it for Bloomfield. They make this fourth down. They keep the drive alive, maybe get within one score and then bang out of there. Nowhere. Number eight. And you, you knew it as soon as he picked it off. That's got to be him again, and it was. The place just erupted, and that was that. Uh, an amazing, amazing day for him. And, uh, you know, two fumble recoveries, one one for touchdown, and, uh, you know, the pick six. And it was probably one of the best all-time performances I'd ever seen in a, in a game. And I have some people, you know, where were you at this game? Where were you at that game? No, I wasn't at Max DiLorenzo's five-touchdown game. But this is one of those weird things where it's like, it's not like like Boganski scoring four TDs rushing. This was the one where he was everywhere. He, yeah. he was on the loose balls. He was on the pick six. He was on, you know, all that stuff. And uh, it was just, it was uncanny. And uh, I'll never forget it. It's funny with Cromwell Portland, guys. I thought the best guy all season long was, uh, was Owen Brunk, their linebacker. And he was great. But Williams, beginning with the Ansonia game, they, 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 it was tough for them early on. Uh, the Notre Dame Fairfield gave him a run, but uh, but it, it, the 
beginning with the Antonio game where he had like five touchdowns receiving and then into the final, it was, you were, you were just shaking your head. And then the Trumbull kids on the sideline were like, this kid, he can play for us any day of the week. Here's a, they tell you not to ask a question unless you know the answer or something like this. So, I, but I don't know the answer. Is Teddy Ballgame a Cromwell kid or a Portland kid? He's a Portland kid. kid. So that was but another yeah. question we asked him. Yeah. Yeah, good. I thought I heard that, uh, Sean, but I, I didn't want to. Didn't want to. I didn't well, know. Portland's Portland's school district Twitter account was all over the fact that he was doing stuff, and it was like that's way to go because they were really proud. And yeah, I thought yeah. That was neat. It was just it's something with the co-ops that you know we they they there's always a there's a slew of problems with the. Uh, uh, co-ops uh, from buses to getting to practice to, to all sorts of things with some of which we've documented here, but it was nice to see a, a you know, co-op come together and a player from, you know, the so-called lesser impact school or district uh, play such a uh, tremendous role in it. So that, that was, a, that's a pretty cool thing to find that out. Yeah. He was a well, I was something I was wondering myself and, and I even said to him, man, if this was like five years ago, you're not even here. You know? Yeah. And that was, that's fascinating. And maybe blue, maybe Cromwell's not there, but an all time performance by that Randall Bennett, uh, just a, you know, an all time great. Uh, uh, I mean, he said it, Pete, we interviewed him beginning of the season. He said, he basically said, Pete, we're going to win. He almost said it. He didn't quite say we we're going to win a state championship. Yeah, he was close to saying we're going to win a state championship. But I think he wanted to say it. I think he yeah. did want to say yeah. it. Yeah. I, I love the way he like he goes out and watches big schools, too. You know what I mean? He goes, he'll, he'll go out and like watch Xavier and stuff like that. And he he really he has an itch, uh, you know, to, to do the to, 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 Aim high, you know, shoot for the stars. So that that's uh, it's pretty impressive. I do have to give my shout out to Bloomfield every time I mention him. I came home and watched the highlights on on television and high def. And man, those Bloomfield uniforms are beautiful. I oh, just absolutely. love those things. Aren't they you. wonderful? They are just wonderful, dude. You <laughs> give me an absurd amount of orange, and I am one hundred percent in every single time. Just the way it's cut with the blue, though, you know what I mean? Just the, the right splice. Everyone knows blue and orange, Danbury. Complimentary colors. New York Compliment. Islanders, yeah. the best colors in sports is blue and orange. Yeah. Oh, have been, being a Syracuse guy, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I just quick uh, on the Palama Portland thing, the, the, the funny part about that end of that game was Randall Bennett going over and dunking his assistant, the 23-year-old <laughs> Jack Wilson. On the sidelines, kind of a wonder kind defensive guy. And I was, I didn't even know. I was like, what'd you just do? He, well, first of all, Bennett poured out the rest of the buckets. So he wasn't, I don't know who's going to be able to get over him. He's the tallest guy in the field or in that, in the general vicinity. But uh, he's pouring out the buckets. Uh, you know, he was being real sneaky, like, uh, like Harry Carson. And he's like running down the side and then he finds his assistant and dunked him. I'd never seen anything like it. And I'm like, who is that? He goes, we allowed. Under 100 points all year, 23 years old, Jack Wilson, former player. And uh, he could not talk uh, enough about him after the word in the postgame. I'm fascinated by this because they're, they're hiring at the highest level of the sports, younger and younger people. And I, I think the traditional way was to look at, yeah, the kid's really smart but he's kind of immature and they'll have to hone him over the years and he'll become a good, you know, head coach or, or whatever. But there's so much information and technology out there now that young people are, uh, 
are, 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 you know, honed in on, zoom in on, that they're taking in an awful lot of knowledge in sports, which I think X and O's is really putting them years ahead. Now, I will argue this, though, when you're coaching young people, the part of your brain, they say you, you reach your peak and everything. I think it's age 39 or something like that. You do have to watch young people when they're coaching young people. Some, some, are, some are able to handle that. Uh, uh, you know, this we're talking about uh, right. leadership development, all that thing, not the X's and O's. Because I think the kids now, some of these kids are coming out 22, 23, and they got X's and O's really – in control of various sports, but it's, it's uh, I'm encouraged by having more young people than less young people on staff. Now. I'm, I'm really glad to hear though, that I'll hit my intelligent peak at 39. So that, oh, that makes me feel good because yeah, I'm still waiting for it. That wisdom will be coming. It, then it, <laughs> then it starts eroding. So then you come back to me and, and I'll be acting like a four-year-old in probably about three or four weeks. Um, another great moment, speaking of young people, was uh, Brandel Bennett's uh, uh, young son, Trey. He brought him on the sideline. Trey's wow. dad. That's what they call him. Trey's yeah. dad. Not <laughs> Coach Bennett. He's Trey's dad. I thought that was great. You know, uh, his fiance was there. I saw her co- coming in with the with the <laughs> with the uh, he was in a little uh, uh, wagon coming up to the to the ticket takers and like, yeah, he, we, we got him taken care of and he was going to be on the sideline <laughs> in his wagon. And then he was able to, he's 15 months old. He was able to walk out on the field and Randall was, was gave him, let him have the hold on to the trophy a little bit there. I thought that was a real sweet moment and good for Randall Bennett, man. I, I speaking of other shout outs, he got shouted out by some of the Grambling fans and he went there, played there and, and the, the Grambling community certainly and his teammates from the, back in those days uh, were certainly shouting him out on Twitter uh, on uh, Saturday night. And, uh, you know, he said he heard from a lot of guys who were really impressed with the Ansonia win. Again, we hadn't seen anything like that against Ansonia in 20 something years. And uh, and then he's like, everyone's calling me. He goes, oh, we got one more game to play, guys. You know, <laughs> now you can call me. I'll pick up now because he said I, I was trying to prepare for for Bloomfield, which is no slouch. And they weren't uh, lots of talent. Bloomfield, you know, they're there every year. They're a perennial contender. And uh, for Cromwell to win that game, yeah, I picked him. I, Cole Brisson came up to me and says, thanks for believing in us, Sean. Because remember, I picked him not only against this, against Bloomfield, I picked him against Ansonia when I swore I wasn't going to pick him against Anso- pick against Ansonia for the rest of the season. <laughs> well, Brisson, uh, Brisson's back. Cole yeah. Brisson so is only a junior. Taken. Yeah, they'll be back. They'll be back. You know, I want to give a shout out to Mike Forger at Darien, though. You know, there's one, there's, it, it reminds me of like the Montreal Canadiens uh, sometimes back in their glory days. I'm dating myself. Pete, uh, ice hockey guy, does not know the Montreal Canadiens as a power. But back in the day, they used to win every year. And, and they used to say the best that that coach could hope for was to break even. And there's a little, there's an element of that at Darien. The best you can hope for is to break even by winning it all. And, uh, you know, he came in. And you know he was a defensive coordinator when they when they allowed that play uh, against Newtown. You know they didn't play previous year, and, and it's sort of like, okay, Mike, good, nice first year here. All you got to do is win it all. And uh, so I want you know, so he won it all. So Mike, you broke even, but good job. Yeah, yeah, he's got a good job. I mean, again, he. It was a tough spot, you know, but at least he had the year to kind of prepare. But there's a lot of characters and a lot of people, a lot of personalities you got to deal with at Darien. And I think he did a nice job, you know, navigating the storm there and uh, keeping this team cohesive because, 
You know, I mean, uh, it could have been the, the inmates running the asylum. You know, we've seen that before. You know, maybe not the discipline falls apart. Everyone thinks they're their, they're their hero. Um, so, you know, that was that was good. Yeah, good job by him. He seemed to be a very steady hand, and uh, the t- kids seemed to respond. David Ivanchik, you know, had the, spoke the world of him afterward. Um, you know, so that's, that, that is championship weekend, and uh, it was a lot of fun, I thought. I mean, we got through the season. We didn't think it was touch and go, Jeff. Uh, early on, uh, we, but we got through the season. COVID did not really rear its ugly head. A few teams with a few cancellations that never got played. But I, I, like I said on my last Twitter post that night, or one of them, uh, you know, I'm grateful we got through it. I'm grateful we were able to play football season after last year. Yeah, uh, COVID did not win after all this year. It's, it's always out there looking to rear its ugly head, but at least, you know, except for, in a, you know, uh, Housatonic didn't, you know, didn't play. They played seven games on the field and got into the playoffs. But as far as the biggest schools, they all got their games in. And, uh, you know, it it, it 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 played a role in the same. And it, some of it we'll never know in different games about who was missing where and everything. Because <laughs> if anything we've learned about high school football, it's not the NFL with an injury report. So we don't always know what's going on. And so it has some effect here and there. But by and large, you're exactly right. Sean, uh, uh, COVID did not win the football season, and that's the good news. Now, obviously, we're going to have some changes next year. Jeff, you were you kind of lighted on it a little bit. You know, while we were all busy doing previews, you kind of talked about we're going to six champions this year, which is I've not made I've, uh, I've, I have not been, none of us have been happy about, and we're getting this blowback from people who are just well, the coaches. I don't care what the coaches said. I, it's a wrong. I think it's the wrong move. Now it's going to be it's going to be a free for all next year. You know, everyone's some of these teams are going to be sitting there. It's just going to be unbalanced because we've seen that before. The reason why we went back to four was because six was just ridiculous. Now we have eight. Uh, we have forty eight teams, and it's just not. It's just going to feel like how the hell gonna, am I going to make gonna a bracket play another week next year? How am I going to make the board for the pickums for forty eight games? No, not forty eight games. It's going to be twenty four games, but you know, still okay. Twenty four games. <laughs> But, you know, I don't I, I hate it. They want it. Uh, I don't know what the next move is or how long this is going to last. Uh, you know, then we also have the idea of, you know, playing again. I always hated. I like playing the four champions at one spot, one that Friday night, three the next day at Rensselaer. We got away from that because Rensselaer wasn't working out. I mean, the state has an issue with venues. There aren't any great ones. And it's not like Mohegan's got a football field we can use for free. Oh, my God. Uh, Could you imagine if Mohegan had a football field? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, so we're just talking about going two days. It's a joke. I don't I hate six. But since we're going to do it, I don't know what there's going to be. Again, like I said, it's going to be. Well, what what did we learn? We have six champions. And unfortunately, a few of these teams, a few of these championships are going to have to be ignored next year. Uh, I'm going to take a run at it. Okay, because I I, I do not have any. This is going to sound very scattered, but it can't be any more scattered than than, than what's on. Yeah, than what's on the uh, on the agenda. Uh, They want to have one one destination. Okay, and I know it was pointed out in the one day that it was. Uh, that there was already a plan in place and and the uh Glenn Lungarini and and uh Greg Simon talked to him this they haven't he insists they haven't you know talked it through yet although they they openly say that they'd love to have a goal because they're moving along in each in all these different sports they brought soccer to Dylan 
which is re- which is really good. N- nothing great. Matt, nothing can match Mohegan. I because I love that. I think we all do. That's just a tremendous thing. But they're bring you know they're bringing in the one division. Uh, excuse me, one destination. And could it be Central or or, uh, or New Britain? Sure, it could be. But I don't think Southern's out of the, out of the out of the equation. And I'm gonna tell you what, Wrenchler Field is not out of the equation. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that, and I don't even know if the CIAC is involved in it. But I know for a fact other forces are involved in 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 looking seriously at Rensselaer Field as a destination. Whether it could be for one next year or not, I I don't know. But the, so let me just move on from destination to six divisions. Yeah, six divisions is a lot for our size of the state, and I understand the wanting to get forty eight teams in. I really do of getting more teams in, but I'd still have that in four divisions. But you can't do that because of Thanksgiving. Right. So I have no I have no solution for that. I will say this on Thanksgiving, though. I've now am of the opinion, and I will be pushing this in other in, in future days, that we're gonna have Thanksgiving for the foreseeable future. Even forces that would like to get rid of Thanksgiving now realize that. And me, I was kind of on the fence on that. So I'm I, I'm just gonna put the fence aside and just recognize that there's Thanksgiving for the foreseeable future. I want more, I want everybody start looking at what game should be on Thanksgiving yeah. instead of downplaying it. Let's up play it. Yeah. Like Wilton's got to play Ridgefield. Xavier should play Middletown, I guess. I, and you know, I'm just throwing, I, Wilton Ridgefield feels strong about, but I'm, I'm, I'm investigating that this week and investigate. I'm, I'm asking people because it's it, what they, what they would like it. I want to build up it, now that, Thanksgiving is going nowhere. I want to build up Thanksgiving and 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 let that stand for what it is and let the sixth division thing fall where it may. Because I'll tell you right now, the last point is, is that the second division right now is superior to the first division. And the tech schools will be in class M. Although now it appears that no, not it, it is it, talking to uh uh the day had something on it, and I talked to uh uh Al Carbone too, and the tech schools are 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 going to play some games or want to play some games, and so does the Pequot want to play some games. NVL is still messed up with because of the Derby situation yeah. and uh, Gilbert coming in, and and so they're holding out. But so until that's rectified fully, that's I mean, just a mess. I, I've said this a hundred times this show, and this has been my theme. It's it's a mess. We have all these conflicting uh, philosophies and ideas. We have the CIC standing firm, just adding more playoff uh, champions to get more teams in. We're not going to fix Thanksgiving, but the scheduling in the state needs to be universal. It can't be the NVL does, does the thing. What are we doing? We need, are we going to win league schedules? And what does it mean to win a league? Are there league titles? Is there a division? There's none of that. It's all over the place. Who's in the alliance? Why am I in the alliance? This team gets that, and it's just a mess. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's a free-for-all. And now we even have Plainfield going off the reservation in the ECC. Big shock. But they're running off. They're going to try and who knows who they're going to schedule. But it's just there needs to be universal scheduling. There needs to be a structure. CIAC doesn't want to touch it. The leagues are all their their own fiefdoms. It's it's a mess. It's a big mess right now. And there needs to be some organization here. And I think that is the the main issue. Uh, Not getting in 48. We don't need 48 teams. We have a good regular season. You have 10 games. You know, there are teams we discussed at the end of Thanksgiving that their Thanksgiving becomes kind of like a de facto playoff game 
I think that's getting in that last week of the season where everybody has influence on games. I think that's great. I don't have a problem. As long as we, you know, the tech schools need to be brought into the fold here and we need to have universal scheduling where there are leagues and that, that we, we, we play for league titles and then maybe you go to the playoffs with that two champions or maybe a wild card. And then, you know, you do it that way. This way we're going here, I feel, I feel like we're, we're spinning our wheels with the schedule in the state. Again, with the Alliance, that's great, but this team's not in that. It's just, I just wish it was more organized and, uh, and, and, and just status quo. We don't need six. This idea about six, it would be fine if we just figured out the schedules. You know, you, you know you're right. You're absolutely right on, one, uh, on this point about different philosophies, Sean. Um, the tier system. Like the CCC, excuse me, the SCC uses the CC is incorporated. You know, you're rele- it, it, it's run a little bit like European soccer, and you're relegating lesser teams and elevating better teams, which on its face is fine, except for all these class structures based on enrollment. Right. Uh, don't match the tiers. It doesn't line up. So that's until that's cleared up, that's, that's inherently uh, – you know, not simpatico. And, you know, Mitch Ross uh, at Fairfield Ludlow, right? Uh, talking to him earlier this year, he he just threw something simply out there. You don't play two alliance games, you don't get to go into the into the uh, into the playoffs. You know, that's not the end Some all sort of structure, right? That, that's not a be end all be all to the whole thing. But that's kind of that's that's one rule that that should be seriously looked at. That's not a bad you, idea. I'm just looking for structure. Yeah, right. Everybody right, has right. to play by the same rules and by the same general philosophy and scheduling. And that that is my big thing. The, well, the one thing the one thing I don't like now is having this formula. Right. And then kind of holding out for 10 years until you can knock out Thanksgiving and then have a six, you know, what I mean, kind of ease your way into the 48 team, six, six divisions without Thanksgiving, because you know, I'd rather make a stand in, now. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people want, the, the coaches want it because let's face it, it's sometimes you're going to get fired from five and five. Right. No, you're you right. know, you know, and, and in basketball and some other sports, it's not going to happen. Not in every town, but, uh, you know, so the coaches are going to want it. And, and but the ki- the kids, I will say this though, and I know you guys are particularly used to Big Thanksgiving, guys, and I'm I'm mixed on it. I, I enjoy when I'm at it. I I really enjoy it. Don't get me wrong, but when when uh, New Canaan won that that payback game against uh, excuse me when Darian won that payback game against New Canaan, they did point out you know the state the states mean more to us than the Turkey Bowl. It does. So, it, you know, not, not the Turkey Bowl doesn't mean anything. Give me, don't get me wrong. But but the state winning the state championship is more important. So For us, I agree. But there are programs out there in states and conferences across the state that would rather win an FCAC title than a state title. game. It blows my mind. And I think it's I think that's a bunch of crap. But it is true. There are teams who win FCAC titles in sports, drop out in the first round of the playoffs, and are like, well, we won the FCAC title. I'll tell you what, Pete. I'll tell you what, Pete. With six divisions and 23 teams each, they're like glorified conference champions. Yeah. Next year. That's what you are. How many many conferences? What are there? Seven conferences, eight conferences for football in the state? Correct. Yeah. And And we're going to have six state champions. Right. And And these are like the SEC is 23 teams, basically. Yeah. 
it, for people to kind of get a grasp on the mathematics, eight in these in these six divisions, eight of twenty three teams are going to essentially make the playoffs. That's like that's like playing in the FCAC. If you play FCAC yeah. football, you have a fifty percent chance of making the all FCAC team. The coaches somehow think they're basketball coaches, not football coaches. Football, you have a set and only a few games to figure this out. But oh, we need forty percent in like the rest of the sports. You're not the rest of the sports guys. You're just not. You're football. You know, it just it blows my that blows my mind. It just I don't understand that that philosophy. They want to be like basketball or baseball. I mean, no, no. You know, it's, football's got a regimental structure to it. And we're getting away from that here. And it's it's, it's disappointing. Uh, you know, look, I I, I, I'll admit, I haven't I haven't done the all nighters like you pulled on the on the uh, <laughs> on the playoff system. Oh, yeah. uh, so, but I did do, I did put some time, uh, some time into it. And I could see the second, you know. I, I was a I was watched all year about how the that you know that new bonus system might work and I and I was happy to see Hand and Greenwich get in yep. in those two playoffs. But now you look at it, I'm not going to lose any sleep over most of those divisions. Who is the eighth or ninth in there? Because it's like They're you know that's going to be good. There's only one division that I that I will right now as it stands, and that's Division Two. Because right. it's got second Darian, L, he, yeah, L. second L, L, class L, whatever it's called. Because even unless Fairfield Prep gets bumped up, uh, I don't know because it's school choice. I'm not not involved in division making that. But just purely on the enrollment, uh, I counted like twelve good teams in the, in that division, and only <laughs> and only about seven or so uh, in the in the in the one in the other division. So you know, there's going to be some. Uh, but other than that, you go down to some of those lesser ones and i'm going I, i'd be really strapped to find eight teams that i really the want to see the barrel. there are, are not that many the best teams will still win but we're going to be left at the end of the season going like wow man i wish darianne would play greenwich yeah you know, didn't you play know regular season by quirk you know and i want that to be a slap at the smaller schools but the fact is when you get to smaller schools there aren't the variety of 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 like quality teams you know, even vis-a-vis the S level, because I mean, it, you know, like like a, it's, it's going to be tough to to knock out the likes of Bloomfield and Sonia as the years go along. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? They, those those school, schools of that ilk are just going to be cruising. Before we raw, the one thing the coaches are correct on, and is that in ten years nobody cares. I want to state like Tim King won us one of one one of one one of eight state champions for Valley Regional and he's a championship coach and that is true and there's nothing can take that away from him and or his guy they beat Ansonia so that, that gives it a little more weight I don't remember all the other it's hard for me to win who won the other eight divisions but when you look back on it that is the thing you win a state championship they you will be a state champion and that's the truth and the broader way of looking at it nobody really cares and that's true so you know that's disappointing to me too. But anyway, we've gone on. We got to wrap this thing up here. Uh, Jeff and Pete, you know, any final thoughts in the season? Uh, but or are we we're, we're getting out of here. What are we doing? I I'm just I'm glad we made it. I was at the first game, and Sonia will be. Tom Rocket spoke about just wanting to get through this season and everyone to get through the season. Uh, we did it. They did it. You know, it was nice to be there, uh, but I'm not going to lie. I am very much looking forward to some time off. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff, your first full year, what did you think? I loved it. I loved it. I, I, the one thing, one thing that really sticks with me, and maybe it won't 
surprise you guys so much. But and I'd always talk to like football coaches over the years, you know, with my job. But a lot of times it was in and out, in and out. And I guess my vision of a football coach is formed a lot by the, you know, my age, Woody, Woody Hayes, Bo Schembecker. They're granted they're they're somewhat caricatures of what I'm talking about. But a lot of that went back through the uh through the high school coaches of the time. And I was really impressed by how cerebral and with the times so many of these high school coaches are. That it's it's just not my way or hit the highway type of stuff. Uh, uh, they identify with the kids, yet they keep the discipline. Uh, football is a much much creative, more creative game than it used to be. I, I took these coaching of uh, of. Uh, uh, sports classes at the University of Missouri for uh, my journalism degree, and I look back at my uh, at my different papers. And football at that time, even at the collegiate level and the pro level, was so elementary compared to what it is now. Even at the high school level, that and compared to the other sports, uh, uh, football has become more cerebral, and the, obviously societies become more varied. Uh, and I'm just impre- I'm impressed by the by the coaches. They're not all bullies, and the people that don't like football should listen to what I'm saying because I I've had John decide about football in the past, and I was pretty impressed by pretty damn impressed by the high school coaches that I talked to this year. The majority of them are great guys and good, and they're teachers and they're educators and they're leaders of men, and that's what you need one of the football coaches. I thank everybody uh, for joining us all season long, and I, I thank for all the nice wishes that everyone gave us at, on Twitter, on social media after the games are completed. We really thank you for following on this journey and following on our shenanigans all season long. Uh, there's not much more for me to say. I'm with Pete. I'm, I need some rest. Hit the ski slopes. Do some Christmas shopping, something. Have a little eggnog. I don't know. But uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for, uh, for everything. And, Oof, we got a long way to go till next season, but it'll be here before you know it. Uh, so, for Pete Kaguaga, Jeff Jacobs, I'm Sean Patrick Bully. This has been the Big Grinder on Game Patrick. The last time I love you all.